This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody. Before we start this episode, I'd like to talk about the Henry Allen Trust. Henry lost his life to cancer aged just four, and his last wish was for his parents, Dawn and Mark, to help other families that were going through the childhood cancer journey. Four weeks ago, they started working with the Oncology Ward at the Great Western Hospital. So now we need to raise awareness of the Trust's work and also support them so that they in turn can support the children and families in Swindon. That's where STFC fans come in. The Christmas Stocking Appeal 2022 is underway, as announced by the club earlier this week. You can either use their Amazon wishlist and send some goodies directly to the charity, or you can buy some small confectionery or Terry's chocolate oranges and either drop them to Caroline in reception or message Debs on Twitter to arrange where she can collect them from. The response so far has been amazing, both from people knitting and sweet donations. Thank you. Debs's Twitter handle is at DebsB155. That's DebsB155. 155 altogether, and that's her Twitter handle. The link to the town article will be supplied in the description of this episode. Thank you very much. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Ah, 
Connor, you're back again. I'm running out of German stereotypes, but always a pleasure. We're going to get this win eventually. Yeah, I think um, we just need to like not have me on the podcast and then we'll probably pick up some points because it seems that I'm uh, only on the podcast when we aren't winning at the moment. Um, so next well, next week, obviously, I'm not on. In two weeks, you're not having me on, Rich. Oh, that's a shame. But that's a really nice way of saying no more, Rich. <laughs> Give me some time off, please. Um, <laughs> appreciate your efforts as always. How was your German festival of football today? There, there was something you attended, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I went to watch um, a local game. There was a, a derby between two of the sixth division teams here in the city of Mainz. Um, Bizarro Mainz, which was, is a club that was formed by, among others, Shinji Okazaki, who you might know from... Uh, the Premier League back in the day, uh, and uh, also um, Tuss Marienborn, who are a team that I've I've been and seen a couple of times with some friends just for something to do on a, like a Friday evening um, at various points. Uh, and uh, it was very rainy, and I was just sort of stood there on my own, just thinking, why did I bother with this? I could be at home watching the World Cup. But you know, we live and we learn. Mm, it's cold as well, isn't it? Uh, I mean, yesterday it was snowing pretty much all of the day. I mean, it didn't settle, so it was like the worst of all worlds, where it was absolutely freezing. <laughs> Uh, I could see snow, but it wasn't settling, so I couldn't really do anything about it. And then today it's been ever so slightly warmer, but still, it's like, yeah, it's not the sort of weather you want to be outside for three hours in, not doing anything, really. Well, not weather-related, but I had a similar should-I-be-here dilemma yesterday, I guess, when I was just about to leave the house to go to Swindon. I looked at the train times, and I was like, ooh, They've, they've cut the trains short. You know, the schedule, there's usually one on the hour, one on the half hour, and there was only half hour ones. And I was then I checked the times for the way home. And the, the rail app was saying there were only trains going to Parkway, Bristol Parkway. And I was like, oh, what is this? And for, for a very split second, a very short moment, I was like, can I be bothered to do this? Because it's going to be busy. And then it's always cold at Parkway, an unforgiving breeze over that way. And then I thought, no, Rich, you've been waiting to be a season ticket holder for years. Don't just <laughs> don't just chicken out. And boy, I wish I had, because it was an absolute stinker for a 70% possession game. We kept the same lineup, um, well, the same starting 11 from the game against tram year the week before Brennan goal brennan harry's and blake tracy as the back three with hutton and iandolo at wing back khan in the dm role with gladwin and darcy just ahead with jeffcott and wakeling up front i can understand this team against a team like tram year but crew have not had a great season so far what did you think um i mean i think like like i've said on a couple of episodes that i've been on recently i think you can look at it as like within the realms of like what seems to be possible with Swindon at the moment. Um, and then you can also look at it sort of objectively, like what would you like to put out if you could put any team out? So it's not the team I would have selected because I wouldn't play a back five against sort of a struggling team. Um, but, you know, given sort of a lot of the kind of um, just stuff that's been going on in other games recently, the way that sort of Scott Lindsay talks about things, the personnel that he seems to like over the other personnel, um, I don't think it was a huge surprise and I don't think it was a weak team. I think it's a team that should have gone out there and uh, and, and done pretty well. Uh, unfortunately, that that wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I would have preferred a back four uh, rather than the back five that we played um, and would have preferred to see Louis Reed in there. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to say that every week, then I'm not going to be happy at all because uh, that, that's not seemingly how we are approaching it at the moment. Yeah, we will entertain Reed chat nearer to the end of the analysis of this game. But to start with the opening exchanges, in, in recent times, we've been told how Scott Lindsay, by Scott Lindsay, how he likes his team to start brightly. And I can say with some degree of confidence that this was the second game in a row where it was comprehensively not the case. Uh, no effort to start brightly. I mean, am I getting possession confused with having the best of the opening exchanges because we did have the ball but we weren't doing anything with it uh i mean the way that it came across on i follow is that we had started reasonably well i mean i think you have to take into account the way that we started against Tranmere last week uh which was like basically just by like taking a shotgun to our foot within the first 20 minutes and we didn't do that um quite uh, i think like you say uh, there, there weren't really like many clear cut opportunities but you could see that what we what our game plan essentially seemed to be was to work the ball from side to side so we could get Hutton into a position to put a cross in for their part they seemed quite happy to let him just get into a position to sort of put a cross in um and uh then um yeah get the ball in the box and then um I think they were just trying to crowd us out because you know they were also playing quite defensively um and and it never really seemed to sort of get to a position where a, a good cross would also then sort of he uh, sort of reaching contact. So uh, I can think of a number of, of opportunities in the first 20 minutes that like wouldn't count statistically as a chance because Hutton's put in a sort of half decent cross and then no one's got anywhere near it, um, which I think is more about the movement in the box than the quality of the crosses, if that makes sense. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I would struggle to think of any big opportunities. So definitely it was an improvement on what we saw last week. Um, and I think we tried to play quite quickly at the beginning of the game and just sort of seemed to um, seem to slow down for some reason, sort of on the 20-minute mark or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of them. In hindsight, I think we can say it wasn't a particularly quick start, but at the time, I, I didn't feel too bad. It felt like it was a, a decent approach to the start of the game. And uh, I think crew, for their part, really just look for that first 20 minutes to just try and weather a bit of a storm and uh, and they sort of batten down the hatches. Um, and yeah, they managed to survive that and come into the game. So it worked for them. Yeah, I saw a fair few people in the Don Rogers doing the old pretend to fall asleep expression <laughs> when looking to the person next to them. They, they have a lot of faith crew in in their goalkeeper, the Arsenal loanee Arthur Oconquo, don't they? And and. He big towering goalkeeper, but he, he wasn't threatened that much. A few you know, standard sort of saves he had to make, and they seem very, very confident in him to do what he needs to do. And crew were just struggling to get a pass together. You know, lots of wayward passes. It, they just didn't look like they were going to threaten us at all. Yeah, honestly, I think sort of basically throughout the first twenty minutes, like Anthony Grant in, in, on the co-coms was saying that like all it will take is a swind- like it, the only way they're going to score is for a swindle mistake. Um, and I think he was right. I mean, I mean it looked it didn't look like they were going to sort of combine their way through the thirds and like get into a shooting opportunity and sort of work that to score. It kind of felt like the ball would have to kind of fall in a decent way to sort of one of their sort of better players, and they would just have to sort of have an individual moment kind of thing. Um, so I think really like there was no real moments of stress in the game until the like twenty odd minute mark. I think there's a part where Brennan kind of gets caught out slightly um, 
then Harry's gets slightly too tight to um, to the striker, who just absolutely burns him for pace. Um, and then from the sort of breakdown of that attack, you then get Darcy failing to clear his lines, m- messing about sort of on the edge of the area, cutting in and then just trying to clear the ball and sort of going into the play, giving away a penalty. So in, in that sense, the goal comes about for Crew for a mixture of sort of two sort of errors in, in judgment in the sense of Harry's getting too tight sort of on one side and then Darcy making two stupid errors in the lead up to giving away a penalty. So it's one of those things where like then once you give them that advantage, I think we, we could see that, that they were getting, they were defending in numbers and and it was going to be a difficult afternoon. So it's, it's frustrating that we didn't manage to sort of get ourselves on the score sheet first because then it would have been a completely different afternoon, I think. Yeah, the, the penalty was a result of about a five-minute spell where we dithered for a little bit, wasn't there? And you have to question Rockin' Robin here and ask whether he's to blame because crew were about to take a corner and our beloved mascot, along with people in the town end, were screaming and gesturing at the uh, the referee to observe that the, uh, the crew player hadn't got it in the allocated area, which did result in a little bit of a time being wasted and then it went in it did go out of play but you know the darkest timeline resulted in the in the penalty being given as if the poppy cape wasn't enough Connor <laughs> yeah I mean uh, the less said about that the better I mean I think the the, the issue was just like a, a failure it wasn't even five minutes it was like genuinely that was their first dangerous attack they got the corner from that attack and then we just successively failed to clear our lines probably for we were probably camped in for like less than a minute, but it felt ages. It felt like the ball yes. was just coming in and out and in and out. Um, and then that culminates in sort of near the corner flag, a bit of a mess up. And uh, yeah, Darcy trying to be clever, giving away the ball, it kind of bouncing out so he has a is able to have a kick it to get rid of it. Um, and then sort of going through the player to do that as well, which I mean, it, it's one of those ones where you just wish that we'd have been a bit more streetwise and not, not, not done the sort of flicky trick in that instance. Like, you know, when there was absolutely no control from either sides in that sort of exchange, surely we just needed to sort of stand back a little bit and just um, try and regain the control rather than sort of, yeah, I, I guess what he was trying to do was sort of turn the, the, the opportunity to our advantage and sort of launch a break ourselves, which, you know, could have been devastating given some of the pace when, when we were able to sort of get crew up and then break at them, you know, they looked like there were a couple of sort of decent opportunities sort of running behind them. But um, yeah, it just, it, it felt like we, yeah, in, in that instance, he just wasn't willing to sort of just do the dirty work for like one second and was immediately thinking about scoring, which was in that particular instance, the wrong thing to do. Mm, yeah, some Swindon fans are absolutely adamant that Darcy got the ball fairly, but it looked like a penalty at the time. And I've seen the replays enough time that I, I think he goes through goes through the man, doesn't he? And and one thing, as you've implied, the whole thing is just daft. Yeah, it's just, it's just a rush of blood to the head. And it happens, you know, it's better that it happens now than in sort of a crucial end of season game. So hopefully that's a learning experience for him. But it's honestly a very, very silly thing to do. And I don't care if he, he... He does kick the ball at the end of it. I don't care because he goes through the player in the area. You just don't put yourself in the position to give away a penalty. It, it, like, it, it's just ridiculous to do that. But, you know... It happened, and it was early enough in the game that we could have recovered from it, and we didn't. And ultimately, it's also a good penalty from the the, the crew player. Yes, very well taken by 
Dan a gay. I think it's a gay, is it? Is it a G a gay? I'm sorry, Dan, but your hope oh, my apology will be retracted later for your behavior <laughs> in the second half. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, very nice uh, penalty indeed. Um came out almost looked like he missed it from yeah, the far. I thought but... I thought he had missed it on iFollow, yeah. the way that it went in. It like the like I, I think that it felt like the net didn't move. So it kind of felt like it was like a, you know, like on a video game where if it glitches and then nothing, it just doesn't react. It kind of felt like that. And I was like, well, if that's the case, then it's clearly not gone in. It must have gone off the bar or something. Um, but then obviously you could see the reaction of everyone in the ground and that was not the case. Yeah, yeah, the perfect penalty it is then. Uh, okay. Yeah, and, and in, in relation to the, the Darcy's uh, penalty conceded, if you if you do the old, if it's at the other end, ometer, we want that as a penalty, don't we? So um, <laughs> it's a penalty. What happens next then? So what? how does the second the second half of the first half, how does the first half play out? Because I can remember the goalkeeper almost making an error by trying to usher it out and then Wakeling gets the ball. And if he does anything else, I think it, it finds a man in, in, in the centre, but doesn't quite work out. What else is going on in that, in that first half? Because it kind of just came and went to me in the Don Rogers. It kind of came and went to me, sat in my flat in Germany, um, I've got to say. I, I mean, I think there was probably a five-minute spell after their goal where I think they actually looked like fairly good for 2-0. At some point, I was kind of getting a little bit twitchy um, a couple of points. Not even, Like I say, like similar to us in the first exchanges where they, they weren't actually creating anything, but it's just like the territory they're picking up, I think. And, you know, just like, you know, knowing what Swindon Town do habitually over the years, it just felt like it could be 2-0 to crew very soon. Thankfully, it wasn't. I, I remember there was like a half chance where um, they're up and then basically on the break, I think, I think Jeff Cott wins a flick onto Wakeling and he just runs the length of the pitch and then shoots a little P-roller towards the keeper. Let me say the, the keeper making a couple of... Uh, there, was, there was that one that you mentioned, I think. I can't remember if this was in the first or second half, but there was definitely one as well where he kind of like just punched it up into the air or something, um, which um, would have been nice if we could have profited from. But yeah, I think it was... Uh, I've seen it described as kind of half and puff um, from Swindon on social media, and I think that's the perfect summary. I think we were going... We were trying and we were trying to... But there was just no real sort of central idea about how we actually get the ball in the net other than work it from side to side, get it to Hutton, he puts the ball in. Um, and then, yeah, he was quite often like hitting the far post, but then Jeff Cotton and Wakeling were both going near post. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of want someone to be following him, but no one was. So, it, you know, there, I think at the end of the first half, I think I follow was saying that we'd put 21 crosses in and only five of them had made a, made a man, which it seems very high uh, for a 45-minute half. Um, but, you know... It, it's, it's a, it should be a sort of tactic that works when you're playing two up top um, and when you've got a good crosser of the ball on either side, really, with Iandolo also being good at crossing the ball. Um, so, yeah, it was just frustrating. I, I think I think ultimately you would you now, in, with hindsight, say the game kind of passed both teams by, but um, yeah, it didn't really feel like we were going to be too dangerous. In that, in that, and and you know, you're just hoping that Scotland could say something good at half time. Last game against Tramier, I was saying like, you know, Hutton's threat is great, and long and long may it continue as long as it does continue. And it certainly started 
in this game to go along a similar vein. And we were going from left, central to Hutton almost exclusively throughout the game until in the latter stages of the first half, they tripled up on Hutton. And for the rest of the game, they doubled up on him and it did the job. Yeah, I mean, they were giving him a lot of space to begin with, like I mentioned earlier. So it makes sense that they then sort of doubled up. And it's, it's a shame, I guess, really, that sort of we didn't seem to have anyone else in the game that was willing to... Um, do the difficult thing and work that that half yard of space. I mean, that that may be doing a little bit of a disservice because I think the second half performance from Gladwin was very good, um, and and he looked like he might be dangerous at certain points. But um, I, would have been really nice to have seen us then. You know, if if the sort of door is locked on the right hand side for, from our perspective, go down the left, see what can happen. Because you know, I think Iandel has obviously come in for some criticism recently and recently and hasn't sort of quite recaptured the form of last season yet, but. He is a good enough player to sort of deliver on um, some of the positions that Hutton was getting into if we can work the same sort of openings on that side. So um just seemed that we sort of didn't have any other ideas other than sort of going through Hutton and that probably is what's cost us in the end. Yeah, the, the, the second half, we do start brightly immediately after kickoff, don't we? And, and things that like whatever Lindsay said at halftime did have an impact. But the one thing that we haven't discussed before we get there is Harry's went off after 29 minutes and was replaced by Baudry, which won't be great news, but as long as one's coming back as the other one falls, we might get through this season. Yeah, and to be honest, ultimately, I think as much as we don't want to see players getting injured, I think if we're going to have an injury crisis at the back, hopefully that means we don't play a back three or back five or whatever we've been playing. Hopefully we sort of, you know, stick to two centre-backs rather than three because that Harry's injury, I mean, obviously I hope he's fine. That point would have been an opportunity to see, like, this for opening half hour hasn't worked. Let's change the system, put another attacking body on because we just weren't getting anyone up in support when we are getting the ball up there. Um, we, we had a lot of the ball, but it was all very deep because that's where all of our bodies were, I guess. Um, so it would have been nice to change the game then. And then also we weren't changing the game later on um, in, in, in terms of sort of the shape or the, per- or the, or the personnel for most of it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of, yeah, it would have been nice to have just been a little bit more bold because, you know, last week we kind of praised, or at least I did, some of the in-game tweaks that Scott Lindsay made, um, not even by changing the team, but just by sort of asking players, well, presumably sort of taking a breaking play to sort of, say, you know, we need to emphasise this or this over what we've been doing. And uh, it didn't feel like we did that. I mean, yeah, like you say, the first couple of minutes of the, first, of the second half were very positive. But I think the the other side that comes into this as well is that crew, actually even before they went a goal ahead, but throughout the first half and then also then, especially into the second half, um, were doing very well at sort of um, time-wasting, if you want to call it that. Uh, and I think they were able to kind of just take the sting out of us a little bit. Like they slowed the game down in that first sort of, after that first couple of minutes, we had a couple of chances and they they slowed it down for the next 10 minutes, really took the sting out of us. And um, at that point, we just sort of seemed to lack any idea at all. Are we too predictable? Yeah. I mean, I think we discussed it like that. We had one route to go uh, and we just tried to do that again and again and again. And that's fine because, you know, I think we've seen that that route to go is a genuine good route. Um, but I think where we, we just lack, like you say, we lacked that little bit of unpredictability that, you know, with, you know, if Williams was there, he's able to sort of just go the other way and, uh, and sort of pose another question and, and, and just create that extra yard of space for sort of um, the, the forwards. 
Um, and it would have been nice to see one of the players that were in the team sort of do that as well. But um, we just sort of, I feel like we just kind of, we got to the final third reasonably well. And then, um, like you say, there's, there's not really any idea about how to then turn having the ball there into having the ball in the position to take a shot at goal, which is frustrating. But I guess we have to take it in context of we've lost creative players in the summer. We've got players out injured. We've got a player at the World Cup. Um, we, we can't be so deep. We can't be so deep that we're going to sort of have just a list of players that are going to create lots of chances. But I guess the, the, the frustrating thing, and I don't know if you saw this the same, Rich, is there were players on the bench that could very easily have changed the game, um, or at least done, at least like gone somewhere, some way to changing the game. And uh, they they only brought on in the eighty second minute or something like that. Mm, yeah, um, in the fifty fourth minute, uh, they took Brook off for Rod McDonald was a fantastic name and they essentially went more defensive and it was quite clear from around about that time that the Swindon 11 were not going to change the game so this is where I think Scott Lindsay should have started thinking about it instead of the enforced one that he did in the 29th and there wasn't one again until the 82nd it's quite clear Connor that Lindsay has for want of a better phrase favourites, Iandolo, Khan, Darcy and Wakeling. All of them have had great parts of the season. Some have had not so great. Could this be an issue going forward if, if he if he doesn't take them out of the squad, be it at two o'clock before the game or during the game earlier? Because you've got to say, Iandolo, as much as we love him and we do, he really should have gone off with a 20 to go. And even then he finished the game and Lavinia, who would be an easy replacement for him, went central. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with managers having players that they trust more than others. Like, I think that's very natural. So I don't criticise Scott Lindsay for that. Um, and I don't even criticise him for not taking those players off. If those are the ones that he trusts to actually make the difference on the pitch and that that, that thing, then fine. I, I think the problem is that, you know, the formation wasn't working. They, they had banked in. They had they, would, they essentially had one guy up front. We don't need three centre-halves to deal with that threat. And if you do, then I think you're sort of managing with too much fear, almost, of the opponent. Like, we should be, like, you know, obviously we're playing in the fourth tier, but we have a, big, a good enough squad and sort of have been there, done that enough that, you know, we should be able to take the game to a team that are in the mid-table region of League Two. Um that's the thing that I find difficult is that, like you say, Iandolo was having sort of, by his standards, a poor game. Um, and I don't think it is actually, I don't think it's an indictment on him or anyone to take him off and just say, you know, this has not worked today. Um, we need to change the shape. Like, you know, maybe bring out Blake Tracy to sort of left back and then add, add a more attacking player to the mix. Um, so, you know, in that, in that sort of... Um, final half an hour, it might have made sense to put Adeloye on as a third striker because our, our route to goal was crossing the ball into the strikers. So, and they, they had sort of an extra centre-back on, as you mentioned. So add another body in there, create a little bit more chaos. You know, like you, you never know what might happen. And I would rather have lost that game 2-0 by trying something earlier on than to have lost 1-0 by feeling that really until injury time, we didn't give anything. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously, it, it, the elephant in the room here, I guess, is that I think really I don't understand what the problem is with Reed, like why he's not in the team. Um, 
I think he should have been there because we were just so slow and ponderous in midfield. Like when we're trying to work it from side to side, like quite often we'd have the ball in a decent, re- uh, decent area of the pitch. Um, crew wouldn't be set. And then by the time that we've worked it to wherever we want to get the ball to go, um, crew have banked in and that they've got the game in front of them and it's much easier to defend them when they're sort of sort of on the half turn and, and, and running. And that was because whenever we sort of had a decent opportunity, we'd go back in and Khan would take a touch and, uh, and, and pass to someone a bit. It, it, it looked, it looked fine, but it slowed the game down so much. And I feel like someone like Louis Reed, who has a bit more of an extensive range of passing from my point of view would have kept the game a little bit quicker, which is what we needed to be doing in that sort of um, side of things. And, uh, you know, you could have played both of them. <laughs> um, so it, it's not even like an anti-Khan thing because I think he, he could have done what he wanted to do and sort of make make runs and a little bit little combinations with his other midfielders. And we could have also then had sort of a player with a more expansive range of passing, um, trying to keep the ball ticking over, um, sort of in, a, in, I guess, a bit more of a probing fashion than we were doing. So um, fr- from my perspective, it was... You can, you can say that the way that we've approached the game going into the game is all well and good and correct. Once the once everything changed, we should have been changing the game a, a lot earlier than we did. Um, I don't see any reason for, uh, for us to have stayed in the formation we did beyond half-time. Um, and I don't see any reason for some of the under, underperforming players to stay on the pitch. I, I think Khan actually had a relatively poor game on um, Saturday afternoon, so I, w- I would have taken him off for Reed at half-time. Um, if, if I was in the dugout, um, I think Darcy had a very, very poor game, um, and I would have taken him off as well. Um, I thought Andalo had a poor game, and I would have, like, like I said, I would have taken him off and then used that to reject the um, the formation. Um, but it's, it's all well, and, all well and good saying that now. Um, but you know, it's, it's frustrating, isn't it? When you can, you can see. Um, just that there were actually options to change the game and we didn't take them until much later on. And even when we did, we stuck with the same formula as we had and we were just doing like-for-like like changes. Yeah, yeah. Scott Lindsay's post-match seemed to be a bit of a defence for the likes of Darcy, who who was, <laughs> I think, mentioned as having a good game, which, I, you know, that's the first I'd heard of it from anyone else that was at that game. Um, so it's one of those things. There were three chances of note in the second half, there was the the header that, that grazed the bar from Jeff Cott. It was very very close. Lovely cross, great header. Just didn't just didn't get it quite right. Are we using Jeff Cott to the best of his ability? Are we are we accommodating him? Um, I mean, I think we I think we've changed the way that we play around having a big centre forward. I think we're, we're trying to get the ball into the box um, in a different way to the way that we were doing it last year. So uh, I think. Ultimately, if we'd have kept McCurdy and not brought Jeffcott in at the, at the end of um, August, start of September, I don't think that that is the route to goal that we'd be looking at right now. Um, so I think we are trying to accommodate Jeffcott. I don't know if um, that's actually the best way of accommodating Jeffcott. I, I think I think I guess that's that's really your question in terms of are we playing to his strengths really? Um, which I don't. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, I've seen him play for us, and I think he. He seems to sort of be. I think he's just performing at the level of player that he's at. I think he, he's scoring a decent amount of goals. He's adding a, a decent amount to sort of the overall play, but he's not pulling up absolutely loads of trees. And I think really, if you look at his career over the last few years, I think that really is kind of the aggregate of his ability. So 
and I think he's having a decent season for us, and I think we're we're trying to get the best out of him. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's something that we could do to get a little bit like an extra ten percent, which obviously would be great to see. Yeah, Jeff Cop would come off with about eight minutes to go. He, he'd had a few limpy moments. Um, he didn't look comfortable nearer to the end. Adeloy came back after a long layoff from the league, but didn't get the ball that much, did he? Um, Lavinia came on also for Brennan. Iandolo had a chance where he blazed over and it was one of those misses where you just go, not today. But there was one more chance in, in injury time and it was a free kick in a lovely spot. We had similar a week before and it just, just got saved. Um, and this one resulted in Louis Reed coming on simply to take the free kick. Um, every single crew player was in the box for it. Uh, Reed beat the wall, but... Conquo uh, saved quite comfortably in the end. My question to you, is it melodramatic? Is it hyperbably to say to bring Lou Reed on to take a free kick in the 95th minute is borderline insulting given the way we needed him, as you quite rightly put, for so much of that game? Uh, yes, it is melodramatic because <laughs> I think that's not that's not the thing that's disrespectful. I think that's actually a recognition of his talent in that that specific area of the game, uh, which is a, a good thing. I found it frustrating that he was brought on in the 94th minute, uh, and I think that is a problem. Um, but like I said, I think my the thing that is like if you want to say disrespectful is not recognizing that his talents would actually really serve us well during the previous 94 minutes. Um, yeah, that's a, that's the thing that. I find that sticks in my craw. It's not the it's not the fact that we brought him on for a specific situation. Which, um, yeah, I think it can that kind of thing can seem emblematic of a greater problem. So I kind of see why that's being taken as um, sort of a thing of like disrespect. Um, but I think I, I don't think it's the putting him on for the free kick thing that's wrong. I think it's the fact he wasn't on in the first place. If that makes sense, and uh, that's nothing to do with the free kick because uh, you know. I, it almost, it almost seems like a stupid thing to do just because like how is a player going to come up from having not played at all to sort of put that one on in like in in that kind of fashion put that in put, yeah score that free kick from a decent range quite a central area as well so it's a difficult angle to work uh, i just it, it, it didn't seem likely at all um but also like i guess it's it, it kind of brave from Lindsay's side because i think we can all identify that this is a decision that he is making like in terms of not showing not 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 giving Reed much game time imagine if he puts him on uh with one minute to go and Reed buries that with his first kick of the game uh the, yes what Scott that, Lindsay take Scott Lindsay takes the plaudits but he does he, I don't think he can take plaudits from that because I think that's more of a message of like I should be playing because this is what I can do with one touch of a ball in a game um so yeah people might say oh what a great substitution but like you, I don't think you can be sort of praise for like making an inspired substitution when like the fact he wasn't on the pitch in the first place was a mistake um but yeah so i, I don't know if i would call the fact that reed's not playing disrespectful because i don't know the background to it but it just seems an unforced error on our part to not be playing him i think i've used that terminology before um 
and yeah, I don't, I don't think putting him on in that position was disrespectful either. Um, I think it was sort of trying to maximise our resources in those minutes, but I would just question why we didn't do it earlier. Well, I agree with everything you said there. I do think if Reed scores, Lindsay takes credit for it, but there's a louder element of the fan base going, God, imagine what he could do if you gave him half hour or 90 minutes. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, you, yeah. basically how you sum that up is like how that would have gone if he'd have scored, but um, yeah. didn't happen and we uh, slumped to a loss. One point from what should have been a winnable six um, doesn't feel great, but you know, these things happen at this point of the season. I, I think we mentioned last week that the end of the game last week against Tranmere felt similar to like a game against Harrogate um, a couple of um, seasons ago. And, and ultimately this felt very similar to, well, not a couple of seasons ago, a year ago. And this felt similar to a lot of the other home games around that time as well, where like we would be, just seemed the game was sort of passed us by and then with a few minutes left we were just sort of trying to throw the kitchen sink at it um, and it not quite working so you know the, the, this is nothing new like this kind of result happens and, and has happened and will continue to happen hopefully we just hope like can avoid that and it's only our second home loss of the season so um, it's easy to keep in perspective at this point but I don't want to see it again thanks <laughs> yeah it certainly is I we we have to we have to finish the game really on one of the main talking points. So Okonkwo was taking his sweet time from shortly after one nil onwards. But before one nil, before one nil, he was doing like their their goal kicks were taking so long, even within the first. Very minute. true, very very true. Um, almost all of his teammates followed in the second forty five. Crew played the game. We got rattled by something that we've done in the past. This has got to be something that football has to deal with. You know, crew did nothing wrong. They, you know, the referee could have been a bit stronger. I mean, the goalkeeper should have got booked at some point in the game, which would have limited the amount of time wasting he did. He took more of a step back, probably when he knew he was on a, a final warning and the other players um, followed. The goal scorer uh, went down twice during the latter stages of the second half. The first saw him ending up smiling from ear to ear while gesturing the scoreline to the Don <laughs> Rogers stand. And uh, and the delay between, I think, the foul and him going down for the second instance probably could have been dealt, better, dealt with better by the referee because it was a huge gap. The first one, I have to say, was very, very funny. There was, you know, everyone's going spare around me, but there's a few people laughing away because it was quite, quite the thing. It, it, this is this isn't a crew Alexandra issue. This is this is a football issue, really, isn't it? I, I mean, honestly, like it, it's what every team does in the same situation. We've done it multiple yeah. times, not just this season, but like you know, I can think of a number of times under Wellens and under Ghana in good seasons where we were doing this. I think it's the sign of a successful team. Obviously, we we can see at the moment the crew are not a successful team in terms of where they are in the the pitch, but they you know they managed to see out a 1-0 in a position where if they hadn't wasted like five, six minutes sort of in aggregate throughout the game, then they might not have done because we were coming on quite strongly towards the end. So um, the other thing that I think I pointed out to to um, the group chat yesterday, um, which I'm sure we are all in agreement with, is that we gained so much joy in watching McCurdy basically doing what their striker at the end was doing to us. That I like, you know, you, you can find it annoying, but like ultimately, it's it's all the same thing, and I think we just have to kind of take a hat off, like we've been done by um, a good operator in that department. Um, it, I mean, it, it's frustrating. So you don't, you you would like to see us just getting on with it, but like you say, it's it, it's not even a football thing. It's just if if officials want to pick up on it, then 
they should. And I think the there's there's been a lot of criticism of the ref, and he didn't actually make any calls wrong, and I don't think he lost us the game. I think just like you say, if you clamp down on it early enough um, that you kind of nip it in the bud, then people don't get as frustrated about those kind of things. But ultimately, we lost 1-0. I'm sure people would have found a reason to be frustrated at the end of the game anyway. We would have done the exact same in the same situation. So I, I just I, like like you say when you messaged about the uh, the the gesturing the scoreline thing. Like given there was probably a good five minutes left at that point, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I found it really funny. I, I think that yeah, it was it was kind of annoying to see him then come back on and then be sat basically on the touchline going down again, which was just kind of like the referee needs to be stronger there. Um, but again, I kind of have sympathy for the referee. Like it, like he's not a childminder. He's there to like make the decisions of like what's going on in the game what they could have done is added on more more time because they've they wasted more than six minutes and that's what was added on like it felt like one of those those games where you see the score that the thing go up it's like eight nine minutes or something because you know not much football was played for parts of that second half but it is what it is and uh you know if we'd have been on the um, giving end of it rather than the receiving end of it we'd be like <laughs> we would be laughing and you know I've, I've done this on the podcast before where we've like been rewarded for something that was very gratuitous uh, and just like loving every second of it so um yeah sometimes those things fall against you they did and uh fair play yeah um connor i ask what's the biggest act of skullduggery crew alexandra going to ground at every opportunity or having the league two trophy paraded in front of the fans who missed out on their first ever efl title because of glorious ppg i mean i guess unfortunately that that didn't get in their heads quite enough no so um i think really um they will be they'll be laughing all the way up to cheshire um, with that one, so ultimately, that yeah, I guess the the thing that's got them uh, the uh, three points is is the 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 sort of more important thing there. But um, yeah, I wonder was that just chosen sort of specifically to boil piss, or was that just like it was was it just sort of uh, kind of completely sort of accidental that it's the team uh, that we denied. I think it was completely accidental. Uh, Caddis is in town, obviously, uh, as a guest of the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge in Swindon Town FC, raising awareness for diabetes as the uh, as we've as we've been promoting on the pod too. Um, I think it's just one of those things where oh, Caddis is here. Let's have him parade the two league trophies <laughs> he won, um, and without without thinking that Crew were top of the league when when the pandemic arrived. Uh, I mean, I guess the the other point to that though is that like you know we've seen some of the skull degree that he's done as a Swindon player over the years, yeah. sort of trying to see out a game, and he was a master of it, especially in that that campaign where we won the second league title. I can think of some amazing games where it just sort of seemed to just drop the ball. <laughs> and um, so, you know, maybe this was all part of Kansas' plan. And if it was, then I take my hat off to him because uh, you could not <laughs> find it better, really. It's just a shame we didn't get in their heads quite enough. Always good to see Caddis at the county ground and even in retirement doing his best to rattle the opposition. <laughs> Lovely. Let's, let's, have some, let's have some listener reactions and come back with Man of the Match. The cross is cleared towards the far post. Now Williams. Blair has such experience. Orlando set up for Reed. Brilliant goal. Louis Reed with an absolute cracker for Swindon. Loads of contributions this week, and we'll start with Paul Merriman. 
a pitiful display by crew. They are absolutely terrible. So again, we've been unable to break down a woeful team. Ellis didn't have a good game, but if Joe gives him 3 out of 10 again, that would be harsh. Did anyone have a bad game? Something isn't clicking in the final third, is it? Pete Marsh says, man of the match, Gladwin needed Reed's precision. Don't! With defenders coming back, it's the end of 5-3-2. Khan and Darcy need resting. Two weeks off, sort it out, Lindsay. Be thankful that crew didn't have a decent striker. Could have been more. <laughs> PJ says, a lovely day for me in hospitality, ruined by football. This midfield needs Louis Reed, and the reason he isn't playing is ridiculous. Sandro needs to concentrate on what we're doing this season and not worry about what Reed's doing next. Gladwin, man of the match. Luke says, concern definitely creeping in, far too late with the changes, too slow and little threat up front. Jeffcott shown little to reflect previous form, saw far more from Simpson and Davison last season after this number of games. We're missing Johnny. Hutton, man of the match for his excellent crosses. Paul D says we started slowly then didn't so much get dragged down to their level as saunter down there. After a week of controversy, nice to see Ellis to step in to vindicate Joe's 3 out of 10 verdict. Ref, like the coffee at halftime, wet and weak. Man of the match, Gladwin on the least poo basis. Adair says drop Ellis, please. He's awful at wing back. His final ball is dreadful and he consistently loses the ball in good positions. I felt we were the better side today, but had little luck from the ref. Darcy shouldn't have played himself into trouble for their penalty claim. Jimmy Legg simply says anti-football meets anti-management. The warranty man says, one, firstly, I need to change from the Don Rogers to the Arkles as clearly it's like watching a different game listening to Lindsay post-game. And two, at what stage in the second half did he think the 11 on the pitch were going to score? Ben Nichols says, Ellis's open goal miss summed up our day. We screwed up and gave them an absolute gift. Mr. Good says another rinse repeat of last Saturday. It's the football equivalent of banging your head against a brick wall. And don't get me started on the Louis Reed sub. Just insulting after sitting through that. I fear nothing will change for the next game. I'm off for a sulk. Jamie Watts says one thought won't be popular. I want McCurdy back. Missing that cutting edge. Michael bemoans Louis Reed sitting on the bench for over 89 minutes and says that Khan is not doing it for me. I simply do not understand these tactics unless Reed has already agreed to go elsewhere. S. Parker says, I'm savage. Sub at 80 minutes are no use to anyone. Too late. Iandolo had a stinker. Khan close behind. Darcy gave us nothing and a soft penalty. Why did we persist with five at the back? Might as well lose 2-0 and go for it. I will always back the manager, but... And the ref, Matt S says, we were never going to score today. Our only tactic seemed to be to get the ball to Hutton to cross it into nobody in particular. Gladwin aside, Gladwin aside, there was no creativity from midfield. Ellis didn't offer anything either. The frustration was that the gaffer didn't try to change it. Harry says, Lindsay's biggest critics came at the start of the season for playing... 5-3-2. Now we've gone back to it and we look just as useless as we did before. Shouldn't have taken 80 minutes to change it concerning in-game management from Lindsay. Paul Temple says, alleged total sport ratings as follows. Khan 3, Darcy 3, Ellis 3, Wakeling 3, others 4. Man of the match, 
Lou Reed for agreeing to come on and take a free kick, which was on target. A frustrating afternoon, crew waiting for a mistake, town only seemed to be able to attack from the right, it seems. Rob Dinsey says, very frustrating, and architects of our own downfall. Crew defended well, but were predictable in attack, and have too many square pegs in round holes. Some nice crosses, but both centre-forwards are sub-six foot. Lindsay clearly doesn't trust the bench. Gray Clark says, yuck. First 20, fine. Looked lively and on the front foot. Silly pen to give away when Darcy had the chance to just boot it. Man of the match, either FBT or Hutton. Ellis will be lucky to get three out of ten after that showing. There's a theme here. DM says, nothing on the left since Blake Tracy became left-sided centre-back. Very little in midfield today. Generally a poor showing. Danielle says, lack of leadership on and off the pitch. Players in each other's spaces, lack of movement and poor awareness. Tactics wrong and worrying that it wasn't changed. The game was crying out for changes, especially Reed, as early as half-time. Yet they came way too late. Wardy S says, time to reflect on that, and yep, same conclusion, awful front two, feeding off scraps, Gladwin the only one with any creativity in the middle, the Reed conundrum, need sorting, get red, or play the bloke, how he only got five minutes is a joke, man of the match, Gladwin, Lindsay's found the thin ice again. SDFC Sean says, we will get back to it soon, all teams have a blip, so better now than later, let's get a few back from the injury list. Sam Mendoza says, how can Lindsay be sat there after 60 minutes and be thinking we were ever going to score? Void of creativity at all. No longer sure what Darcy offers. We've got absolutely nothing through the middle. Michelle says, so very poor against an awful side. Subs made far too late. Not a member of the Lindsay Out Brigade, but I am questioning his decision in not playing Reed. We need a playmaker. Also would have brought on Livinier a lot earlier too. We were terrible against a dire, desperate side. Swindon Rich says, embarrassing display of gamesmanship. All game, which the officials did nothing to clamp on. Not to excuse a dreadful display though. So little quality. Man of the match, not easy. Hutton put in some good crosses. FBT at least tried to show some urgency going forward. Georgia says, I think everyone in the ground could see how the game was going to play out after the pen. Unfortunately, the only person who could have done anything to change that didn't. The lack of willingness to change something was frustrating to watch, disappointing all round. Hank says, worst game under Lindsay, no change in tactics and no subs until the 85th minute. Worst officiating and blatant time wasting when their player got hit by the ball and then number two told him to go to ground. And Lindsay needs to change the way we attack as it was way too slow. Helen Strange simply says, bored and cold. Hayden goes into a little bit more detail saying that Darcy just wandering around doing Jack and Reed on the bench twiddling his thumbs. We're going nowhere this season. R. Allison says, as good as Mansfield away was, that's five points dropped in two winnable home games. What's the inside track on Reed? Bizarre that not given game time. Man of the match, Gladwin. Chris says, we played the whole game with two players that were more used to the opposition. If it takes 82 minutes to make changes because it isn't working, then it's too late to change it and expect to score. AD Mel says, so after a relatively okay start, it just floundered into the trap set by crew. What Darcy was doing towards the box was criminal and deserved to concede a penalty, however soft. It wasn't terrible footballing. The midfield didn't break the line once. All too easy to repel. 
Jilly says, started well, but awful after about 20 minutes and never recovered after the pen. Should have subbed much earlier and insulting to bring Reed on just for one free kick. Man of the match, cruise number 11 for his amateur dramatics. Nick says, Lou Reed, man of the match. <laughs> Ryan Clifford says, does anyone actually know Scott Lindsay's tactics? The players definitely don't. Tommy Butler says, not good enough. Didn't look like scoring and Khan in midfield was a real problem. Again. Kevin STFC Foley says, five at the back. Ugh. Too late to change anything. He said we didn't get what we deserved. I say rubbish. We got exactly what we deserved. Nothing. Nick says, when the opposition's game plan is working to perfection and we do nothing to counteract it, you lose. Not really a case of particular players being bad, more a case of the setup failing. Very, very poor today. Moore says the ref let them take the mick out of him and us. Frustrating. We put a few decent crosses in. On another day, we'd have tucked a couple away. Iandolo is the weak link. We had no threat from that side with him, and he skied one unforgivably over. He must never practice crossing. Khan, not as good as he has been. Subs far too late. Penalty was stupid. Shouldn't be turning into trouble there. Harry's actually looked decent. Brennan is still not up to it. Andy Footner says, difficult to play with all the time wasting. Did we have 30 minutes play in the second half? Rob simply says, poo. And finally, Andy, who says, they opened us more than we them. Annoying time wasting from 15 minutes turned into some advanced level shithousing towards the end. Think the penno was correct, but the ref was very weak in controlling the game. Not sure 352 suits the personnel or plan A. Let's hope we find a plan B. So there we have it. Thank you to everyone who sent stuff in loads and loads this week. It was a two-horse race, really. There were a few nods for Fraser Blake Tracy. Ben Gladwin just pipped Romeo Hutton to the man of the match from the listener's side of things with all the messages and DMs and so forth. But who gets our vote? I'll go with Gladwin as well, which I, I guess seems weird when I haven't really mentioned much that he's done. But um, I think he was the, the player in the second half that made that looked like he might sort of fashion an equaliser from somewhere, whether that was himself or working an opportunity for somewhere else, someone else. So um, for me, it's him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be happy with Hutton as well. I think, yeah, those are the two really, aren't they? Yep, let's go with Ben Gladwin then. Nice. Okay, so we got a week off next weekend because of the FA Cup. So having been knocked out of the FA Cup, then drawn a game against Tramia and lost um, to Crew. Is it, is it good that we've got a week off? Is it a recharge situation? Or would it have been better to have a game and try and shake this this little blip um, out once and for all? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess in theory, if what we're going to do on the training pitches is, is good, um, then having a, a week to recharge, hopefully sort of manage to hasten some of those returns for um, missing defenders um, that we've got. Um would be a good thing. Hopefully we can just sort of work out a plan for the festive period. And I think, although I don't, I don't know if like it will change the result of the game in two weeks from, from now, um, what it might do is sort of give us a chance to recharge for what's going to be a busy-ish schedule towards the end of December, start of January. Um, so um, from that side of things, I think it, it, it's probably a good, a good thing to have on balance. And uh, yeah, ultimately, uh, it's uh yeah it's good to, it's good to have a little bit of a break and then I, I guess it hopefully means that it won't be sort of many more games between now and the point that Williams comes back and I think that will really be a strong boost to the squad as well um, because he was really 
cooking on gas when um when he left um, to go to the World Cup, I guess. So he certainly was. Okay, well, next game involving a Swindon player hopefully is in the World Cup with Wales playing on Monday night. We'll see how he goes. Good luck to him. But until then, Connor, thank you very much. Thank you. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.